0: Hi, this is Pastor Danny Deeth and I'm so excited that you have chosen to join us here at First Presbyterian Church for worship today. Know that the love, grace, mercy and joy of Jesus Christ beckon you to join our church family as we seek to celebrate our journey with Christ in this service of worship. So we're glad you're here, come on in. This morning's first lesson comes from the book of Isaiah, the seventh chapter, verses 10 through 14. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, house of David, is it too little for you to weary mortals, that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. Thanks be to God for the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is taken from Matthew's Gospel. This is Matthew's account of this part of the birth narrative. We are in chapter one, verses 18 through twenty-five, Listen with fresh ears to the word of the Lord. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, Thanks be to God. So when pastors are ordained as a part of their ordination vows, we have to share in the season of Advent or Christmas one story about a Christmas pageant or play. So here it is. So a large church was putting on a a production. They were doing Luke's account of the birth narrative, Mary, Joseph, the innkeeper, shepherds and angels. And in this particular Sunday school class, they were handing out the assigned roles to play. Well, one young man wanted more than anything else to be Joseph. He just loved Joseph. It's probably good because he didn't say anything, but he wanted to be Joseph more than anything else. So when they handed out the roles, he got the innkeeper. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Wasn't happy at all. And to make things worse, his arch rival in the youth group, another boy, got the Joseph role. So, as they are planning and preparing, he's trying to figure out how to subvert the Joseph character, his rival, sour grapes. He figured it out. So, on the night, the church gathers. Joseph and Mary are walking to the inn after their long journey. Knock, knock, knock. The innkeeper opens the door. And Joseph says, do you have a place where we could stay? And the innkeeper looks and thinks and says, well, sure, come on in. I'll give you the best room in the house. Joseph freezes because he knows that's not the story. They are turned away at the inn, which is why they go to the stable, but he thinks he's got them. So he's pretty happy. Joseph, quick thinking on his feet, starts to look around the innkeeper as if he's looking into the inn to see the rooms and the property. And finally he says, no wife of mine, no pregnant wife of mine is gonna stay in a dump like this. Come on, honey, let's go stay in the barn. So today we are focusing on Joseph and his love for Mary and his love for God. As we know, there are two birth narratives, two out of the four Gospels tell the story. We have Matthew who tells the story of the wise men and the star, and we'll get to more of that when we get to Epiphany after Christmas, as the wise men did. And then you have Luke, who told the story with the shepherds present, and the, the angels, the heavenly choir, the heavenly host, and they're two separate. Now, Matthew was written with Joseph in mind in the birth story, and Luke more from Mary's side. In Matthew's account that we're reading from today, the angels speak directly to Joseph, not to Mary. And in Luke's account, the angel comes to Mary to tell her that she will have a child Gabriel in both cases. It's an an interesting and fascinating story on both sides. Matthew starts out with a genealogy. All of those three, in this case, three sets of 14 in order to establish that Jesus was from the house of David. That is Matthew's purpose. Opening up the New Testament, first book of the New Testament, we're gonna establish that Jesus was the fulfillment of all of those Hebrew Bible, Old Testament prophecies. Luke waits till chapter three, but gives us Mary's genealogy that also goes through the house of David. So Jesus here is double covered by our gospel writers. So as we know, Mary and Joseph were betrothed, not a word we use much anymore. They were engaged to be married. But in that day, the betrothal, the engagement was viewed as being together for your life already. Sometimes when we get engaged, sometimes those engagements don't work out, well, we Got a little took the next step before we get to the marriage. Anybody have a non-successful engagement? Show of hands? Let me see. I saw saw a little half hand like Tyrannosaurus Rex hands going over there. That's okay. Myself, yes. I'm a survivor. I'll share that with you another time. But for them to be engaged was seen as just the Front part of being married. And so, to break that engagement, you had to get divorced. You had to officially go through the divorce process. And so, it was a bigger commitment to be engaged, even than ours is, and it's a pretty big deal. So, Joseph and Mary were engaged, and then what do you know? Mary gets pregnant. And Joseph, being Joseph, think of you put yourself in his place, we'll put ourselves in Mary's place Christmas Eve, but tonight we're in Joseph's place. What, what do I do? Well, for what, all he knows, she's betrayed him, his love, their future together, and she could have to pay the price. Deuteronomy twenty-two, twenty-three 23 tells us that this is a, a, an offense eligible for stoning to death. Stoning to death. Now, while that didn't happen that much, even though it did happen, at the least, there would be public shame and humiliation on Mary. She clearly broke their covenant, broke her Torah laws, and should and could pay the price. That's all Joseph knows. So, even before the first angel comes to him, he makes a decision. He's not gonna enforce any of these laws against her, not gonna shame her. He's gonna kind of try to quietly dismiss this and kind of help this to just move away. He is shamed, he's embarrassed and probably heartbroken that this person he had pledged to and saw a life together with now has been broken and crushed. But our passage says Joseph was a righteous man, a devout Jew. He didn't get to know God through this process. He already knew God and spent time with God. So he did something that we look at with character, with integrity, To minimize any embarrassment for Mary and for himself in making a big public show, it could be easy for him to cut that off, just tell the authorities and they'll take it from there, or tell a few of the right people so that she'd be publicly shamed and then he's out. But he didn't do that. He decided even to stall the rest of his journey to make sure that this situation gets resolved. He could have cut it off quickly in a number of ways that would have been detrimental for Mary but he waits and makes a decision. Well, okay, let's just let's just end this amicably the best way that we can. And it's at this point after Joseph had decided, not before but after. He had made this decision not knowing anything about Mary, this pregnancy Gabriel, God in this process or any of it. Then the angel comes, says, Joseph, guess what? (laughs) Mary is right. She is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. This is an amazing thing. This child will come. You will name him Jesus. The name Jesus, Greek based on the Hebrew Joshua, which means deliverer, rescuer, or to save, or savior, this will be the one who will save the people from their sins. Well, okay. Joseph believes, he understands, and after that first of four angel appearances to Joseph throughout this story four times, and tell him to go this way, go that way, don't go that way, go this way, stay where you are, go. But this first time, and and this was a dream, not a vision that we might during the day be working and all of a sudden a vision appears before us. This was a dream. He was asleep overnight. What if he had dismissed that to bad hummus or some old olive oil? But if he had thought, well, I didn't sleep well last night. I had this crazy dream. Mary, Mary goes next door to where Mary stayed. Guess what? I had this crazy dream where an angel came and told me you were pregnant, and gosh, we're going to have it, and he's going to save the world from their sins. How many of us would dismiss that? Would we have a direct conversation with God through an angel or directly? If we hear God saying something to us, In a dream, we would wake up and think, what happened there? We could have dismissed that, but Joseph didn't. He was being called on a journey for which he had no idea where it would go. He had expectations from what the angel told him, but had no idea what that would entail. How many times in our lives do we start some kind of journey with expectations but we have no idea? Think about college, when you start college or a new job. You start with basic expectations but you have no idea. You're going to change so much in that time period. I think I changed majors five times in my early collegiate career. I was pre-law, pre-dentistry. I was advertising, and I was radio, television, and film. It's going to go after broadcast journalism for a while. This is Daniel Deeth. This is your news. (laughs) That could work. That could work. Finally settled on psychology with a minor in religion, just because I thought that was interesting, not because I was going into ministry, he wants to do that but my path changed so much in that time. I had some expectations, but I had no idea. Getting married. You have expectations, but you have no idea. (laughs) Having children. Yay! You have expectations, but you have no idea. A puppy, a new job. So many things in our lives we go into with expectations, but we have no idea where the road is going to go. It's no different than Joseph here. He has a miraculous encounter with this angel who tells him miraculous things. And terrible things. Guess what y'all are going to have to endure for a year? People whispering, telling... Lies, gossip, rumors, pointing, counting, but wait, they've been engaged. Wait, and and born, went, and what you say, the Holy Spirit? Good one. They're going to have to deal with a year of that, which is hard enough in our time, but in that time it was heavier, it was a smaller community, and it would have been difficult on a daily basis. We don't know much more about Joseph in his life. We know the story in Luke where Jesus is 12 and they go to the temple, Luke two, and for Passover and then they're coming home and they get about halfway back and Mary looks at Joseph, Joseph looks at Mary. You have Jesus? I don't have Jesus. Where do you have Jesus? I don't have, where's Jesus? So they have to turn around and come back and get him where he said, you should have known I was in my father's house such a teenage Messiah response. (laughs) But Joseph is mentioned as being present, uh, Joseph and and Mary. After that, we don't know. We assume Joseph died before Jesus really started his ministry, probably before he was even baptized. Early in John, one of the first things that happens is the wedding at Cana. That was a family or friend wedding, Mary was there, the disciples were there, all their family, he says, was there, but no mention of Joseph. Certainly in John's account of the crucifixion, right before Jesus dies, he looks down from the cross and says, woman, this is your son. Speaking of, of John, the beloved disciple, uh, man, this is your mother. He wouldn't have done that if Joseph was alive. Mary would have been cared for. That interaction wouldn't have happened. So Joseph, we think, died earlier, somewhere in Jesus' childhood that we know very little about. We think that Jesus was a carpenter or a woodworker. Tecton is the word, and it's not just carpenter. It could be other kinds of hands-on, building craftsmen kinds of artisan work. And he would have brought Jesus up in that process teaching him that trade, that skill. We think there were other children that Joseph and Mary had later that would have been Jesus' siblings. But again, Joseph doesn't have a huge presence in our gospel narrative. Doesn't say a word, ever. Just does. Does. So he claims this journey with some expectation, but with no idea of what he's stepping into. What gives him the courage to respond rather than roll over and say, gosh, that was weird. I'll wait to see if it happens again tonight. And then if so, that's twice. And then, okay, then I'll go. It's because he knew and trusted God fully. And said that not only was he righteous, but that he was devout. He had an existing relationship with God that helped him to see that this was something extraordinary. This was something amazing that he was being called to, and he was going to respond. So there was a couple getting married in a church. And they come in Saturday morning, the wedding is Saturday night, to decorate. And there had been a mission conference all week at that church prior. And they had left a banner on the pulpit with the motto of the theme of that particular mission conference. And they looked at it, and they said, hmm, that sounds about right. And they left it for their wedding. Three simple words, worth the risk. Worth the risk the risk. Joseph thought it worth the risk to do what God was calling him to do because he knew and trusted God fully. We are being called to risk in this time of waiting in preparation for the coming of the Christ child. What do we risk by not risking with God? We risk the joy, the power, the opportunity to serve Christ in this life, to help others, to serve others, to pass it to those that we love, and to walk this journey as a believer, to walk this journey knowing that we don't walk alone, that Christ is with us every step in this life, and then will take us to the next. If we do not risk, then our very lives are at risk. Joseph knew that. Mary Knew that She gave assent, by the way, which we'll talk about again in a few days, when the angel says, guess what's going to happen to you, friend? The Holy Spirit will overshadow you, and you're going to become pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Anybody? Anybody? Strange in a number of ways. But right after this interaction, she says, here I am. I'm in. I'll do it. You are calling me, I will respond. I will take the risk to do what you are asking me to do, great God. So, finally, in World War II, at the beginning, Britain and Germany had started an entanglement in war, and the British. Government's Ministry of Information put out three posters, three posters to try to calm their people, inspire them in the midst of scary, a scary journey of which they had expectations but they had no idea what was to come. The first one, first poster said, your courage, your cheerfulness, your resolve will bring us victory. Victory. Your courage, your cheerfulness, your resolve will bring us victory. The second one said, freedom is in peril, defend it with all your might. Freedom is in peril, defend it with all your might. So those two, because they were in a situation that they had no control over, they couldn't control when Germany attacked or in the ways that they would, but they could could choose how to respond. And so the last one. It was just like the other three in the set, a colored background, a crown of King George VI on it, and it simply said, keep calm and carry on. Yes, that, keep calm and carry on. Joseph and Mary received information that was wonderful and terrible about their life and what would happen to them. They had some expectation, but they had no idea but they risked it because they knew and loved God and fully gave themselves over, literally, physically and spiritually, to God. In this season of waiting, we are almost there. We too are being called today, not just on Christmas. We are being called to a new journey, as Joseph was, as Mary was. It is worth the risk for us to trust and fully give ourselves to God in preparation for the coming of the Christ child, who if we allow will transform us and the world. So in light of the coming child, in light of God's love and grace, let us keep calm and carry on. Hallelujah. Amen.